uh, I mean, Alamo City Studios is a grassroots, you know, development. It's not you know, some big studio or one day, one, one day, one day, right? Yeah, we're not baby steps. You know, we're, we have no, you know, huge billionaire that's fine. This is financed through indie filmmakers putting into the pot to be able to keep the lights on. What about that little known actor, Rick Carrillo? I mean, amazing. That guy. I just knew. I just knew. Hi everyone, I'm Rick Carrillo. And I'm Josh McCormick. This is Salute Talks. Our guest today is Kerry Valderrama, CEO of Alamo City Studios, that I will venture to say is creating something that San Antonio has never seen before. A hub for Latinos and all people to come together in one place and create art. And by art, I mean any and all expressive mediums, be that film, canvas, digital effects, music, and even podcasting. It's a place where new, tenured, or even curious artists can find opportunities to collaborate and explore their capabilities, a place that is turning San Antonio into its own tinsel town. Kerry, welcome to Salute Talks, man. Thank you so much for being here. Super happy to be here. So, Kerry, I want to start off with just really understanding what Alamo City Studios is. I mean, it's, it's a very fresh, very new concept that I, I don't think San Antonio has ever seen before. So I figure what better person than the CEO, creator of Alamo City Studios to just give us a broad definition of what it is, what it entails, that kind of thing. Sure. So Alamo City Studios is a co-op for filmmakers, and it is specifically designed for production companies uh, whether you are a professional or you are an independent amateur filmmaker wanting to find a place to call home and wanting to find a production hub. And really, it's a grassroots movement from myself and other producers, production companies, actors that were looking for a place to be able to come together. And that's kind of how Alamo City Studios was created. And, you know, when you say a uh, place to come together, I mean, is that just... From your experience, I know you've been in the film industry, filmmaking, a lot of different positions behind in front of the camera for years. I mean, was Alamo City Studios just a natural need that came about in San Antonio? I think that what, at least what I had seen, were production companies, uh, friends of mine that were getting an office and they were spending 1500 to $2,000 a month uh, for this office space uh, to do commercial work. And the problem is, is that when you're when when things are good, things are great. But when you have a dry month, which happens in in this industry, uh, how do you keep the lights on? And so the justification of having an office space where you're spending two thousand dollars a month for internet, electricity, alarm systems. I mean, you know, you're having to spend all this to be able to hold up one production company um, became you know, very difficult. And I kept seeing all of my friends. Uh, having to close down their doors uh, and then move back into their houses and then until things pick back up and then they'd find an office space and then things would go slow again and they'd lose their office space, you know. And so it was this constant uh, struggle, myself included, uh, until finally this kind of uh, co-op uh, idea kind of came together where, wow, well, if I'm only paying 500 bucks and you're paying 500 bucks and you're paying 500 bucks, then we can absolutely come together and then we're all kind of splitting that cost. Um and getting it to the scale to where we could then have a giant conference room, an actual green screen area, an actual cyclorama area uh, that everybody's utilizing uh, and, and everybody's being able to profit from it. Yeah, that seems like a very 
smart model because I, I think San Antonio has challenges when it comes to bringing big productions to the city. You know, it's 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 mainly because Austin seems to be that gatekeeper where everybody just stops for Austin and they figure why even go further south, right? The one thing that stands out to me is diversity. Not just diversity of profession, but also diversity of, of culture. And I feel um, that's refreshing to hear because I know you and I, we go way back in terms of, of our early days as filmmakers and as actors. And I remember Carrie was one of the first directors that I worked with, actually. And it was refreshing to work with um, not only someone who was new to the industry, but also who was Latino. But I remember at that time, there was a low supply of Latino filmmakers on all capacities, whether it's pre-production, production, post-production. So, you know, with Alamo City Studios, have you seen maybe a, a birth where you see more of an inclusivity of different cultures, different people from different backgrounds coming coming to Alamo City Studios? Sure. I mean, I would absolutely say that the makeup of Alamo City Studios is predominantly Latino filmmakers, um, but certainly we are very diverse um, uh, within all the partners that exist and all the collaborators that exist inside the studio. Uh, I do think that going back, I mean, 15 years ago, uh, when that digital movement started happening, when the prosumer camera started happening, uh, the GL camera that Pablo Valise used to do La Tragedia, the Canon XL2 that uh, I'd utilized to be able to do Garrison, really did put a lot of power into the hands of the indie filmmaker and certainly up-and-coming Latino filmmakers uh, to know that they could make their films here in San Antonio and that they didn't have to go to Hollywood and, and do that insane grind uh, to try and, and work their way up. Uh, and so, I mean, certainly since I've been here, uh, I, I've absolutely seen an incredible rise uh, within the Latino filmmaking community um, because of that uh, prosumer camera movement. And why is that important? I mean, some will argue like, well, it's just, you know, Filmmaker's a filmmaker, right? But why is it important that you have a cultural representation in filmmaking? Well, I mean, I think that San Antonio is is such a incredible city that has so much culture uh, and history to it that it should retain, you know, its filmmakers, especially filmmakers that were born and raised here in San Antonio, uh, and being able to, you know, to be able to, to keep that that cultural influence um, and, and keep it real, you know, to San Antonio and allow them to be able to tell their stories. Thinking about the kind of education system that, you know, brings kids up and should encourage kids to pursue art forms like these, what was your experience growing up and, you know, learning about art, whether or not filmmaking was going to be a viable career for you, you know, progress that got you here now? My upbringing is a little bit interesting because I was born in Central America, uh, in Panama, and then I was raised in South America, in Bolivia and Peru. And so I graduated high school in Lima, Peru, and then I moved uh, to Texas. Uh, and then as soon as I moved here, I then joined the military uh, and then served eight years with the 82nd Airborne Infantry. Um, it was after that that I moved here to San Antonio uh, and then uh, kind of got involved into the uh, filmmaking scene here. Uh, and then, of course, just fell in love uh, with the city. Um, but as far as uh, my childhood, it's always been in the arts, whether, um, of course, theater, uh, building sets, acting, uh, working on lights, directing small shorts uh, within regards to the theater group. And then, uh, but I never really thought that 
being a filmmaker was really in the the cards. Um, and once I moved here to San Antonio is when Pablo Valise and I'm hearing on the radio that he uh, just made it to Sundance, and this is in 2005, and it just blew me away. Um, I then became very interested in that, and we were able to track him down and ask that question on how he was able to do it and what insane camera systems he used. And he didn't use anything. He used just a small little GL camera uh, with just his friends and family and uh, shot this little indie thing that went everywhere. And that really did kind of uh, inspire me to look more into the indie filmmaking world, um, which then uh, Danny Boyle had just used a Canon XL2 to do 28 Days Later and was kind of... And I found out that I could go rent this camera anywhere um, and then I could buy mini DV tapes at Walmart. You know, you, before this notion of being able to go get a film camera and buy film, I mean, it, it was crazy. Like, there's just no way that any local indie filmmaker in the city of San Antonio was going to be able to do something like that uh, you know, without, that, uh, without that help. Yeah. So you made a comment that filmmaking didn't even cross your mind as a viable career. Do you think that whether it's the public education system or society at large is allowing kids, you know, young people who want to start doing filmmaking, are we opening up those paths, like whether or not it's in a public school? As an example, I grew up in a upper middle class suburb outside of Houston. I got my start in journalism because I got to work for the high school newspaper and we had a, you know, room of a couple, you know, dozen Macs that we were creating this newspaper on. Is the education system at large doing enough to kind of promote that, especially for minority kids? I mean, I certainly see incredible programs that are here in San Antonio. SACI, uh, of course, being, I think, the largest uh, program that is cultivating um, the, the Latino voice uh, within um, kids from, you know, ages from you know, 12 to 17. I certainly, I've served as a judge. Um, they have come and shot at the studio, and I mean, their program is just incredible. Uh, also, Harlandale High School, I think, is is also just incredible filmmakers, and these kids are coming out uh, really doing incredible things. Uh, NISA is another uh, incredible program. Um, so, I mean, I certainly do look around the city of San Antonio and see a lot of programs within starting at high school and really cultivating that, and we certainly um, are a part uh, of that, and so they know that anytime their kids need a studio space, anytime their kids need any time to, to shoot or anything, that all they have to do is send us an email, and we're going to make that happen uh, to you know, ensure that, uh, that partnership uh, uh, for the youth. But that hasn't always been the case, right? True. I mean, I think I think we can kind of speak to that as well, where there was an inequity with having access to that philosophy of filmmaking, but also, you know, you're a very unique case because when you came to San Antonio, you were very driven to try to find a way to make it happen versus another indie filmmaker who may have not heard of Paula Valise, um, may have felt a little, um, it may have felt a little stuck. Right, because he's he's wondering how can I even get to that level of making a film? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, and I think that Alamo City Studios is a great example to that. Right, I mean, we didn't get formed until uh, 2015, right? So, and uh, I got here in 2005. So that's 10 years uh, of San Antonio not having a production hub, which is kind of crazy, right? And everybody would always talk about wanting to create, you know, a, a big studio and, and do these big things, but it never really happened. 
Why do you think that is? Why do you think it, it took 10 years to get to this point? I just think that uh, that it's uh, hard-headed people just refusing to uh, to give up or, or quit and, and stay in the city and you know continue to, to do the fight. Um, but I certainly know that, I mean, it is our mission statement to improve the film community here in San Antonio in any way that we can now that we have a place uh, to do it from. Yeah, no, I think Alamo City Studios is, is not only a great production hub for all levels of filmmakers, but specifically for Latinos who just, you know, I will say that historically there is an underrepresentation in Hollywood of Latinos. And I would even argue that um, across the country there is underrepresentation of Latinos in the film industry. I mean, from your experience, Carrie, and, and, and pe the people you've met, um, you know, why do you think that is? Why do you think Latinos have such a underrepresentation in the film industry? I mean, I, I certainly think that it, it is a struggle in uh, trying to break out of these cultural stereotypes that uh, everyone has been roped into, and certainly uh, the Latino population, of course, you know, when you're looking at movies and, uh, you know, who's playing the drug dealer and who's, you know, playing the, the you know, the evil henchman. Um, but I do see these stereotypes uh, breaking. Right. I mean, you can look at the Oscars, which is a perfect example of Alfonso Cuarón and Guillermo Toro, and you know they're just—I mean—just killing it, right? Winning Best Director, Best Picture. I mean, five years running, you've seen Latinos really kind of coming in and taking over and saying that you know not only do we have a voice, but we have an incredible voice, um, which is certainly, I think, inspiring to uh, all local filmmakers and, and local actors that are here in San Antonio. Um, and so though I think that it has been a predominantly problematic area um, that I, I really do, I have seen a huge shift and a huge change, you know, over the past few years. Why is that representation so important? Just like with myself wanting to be inspired and wanting to see that uh, I can go to, you know, the corner store and, and buy the tapes that I need. I think that it's important for a director and an actor to be able to look and say, oh, well, I don't have to be put in this mold, right, where I have to play this certain character, or I have to play this certain role, or I have to do this certain movie. Um, I'm watching it right now and seeing that I can do, uh, you know, I can do Shape of Water, and it's okay that I'm a Latino filmmaker, right? I don't have to force to make this other type of film. Um, and so, you know, stories like that and and, uh, and and being able to see directors and producers and actors like that, I think is very important, uh, certainly to inspire. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Amanda Merck, a digital content curator with Salute America. Every school has children who have been exposed to trauma, violence, and overwhelming experiences. To help these students, schools and law enforcement across the country are partnering to launch the Handle With Care program, where police send a notification to schools when they come across a child at the scene of an incident. We at Salute America collaborated with the West Virginia Center for Children's Justice to bring you all the resources you need to get Handle With Care started in your community. Download the Action Pack now at salute.to slash handle with care. Hi, this is Stacy Cantu, a digital content curator at Salud America. The Institute for Health Promotion Research at UT Health San Antonio serves as the research powerhouse behind our organization. 
Salud America produces relevant and timely content about Latino disparities driven by the Institute's study of those trends. To read that work, visit salud.to research. Thank you. One of the things I've seen pop up a lot in San Antonio is the San Antonio street art movement, right? So it's a big cultural representation of, 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 of artists finding a new palette, right? With the city of San Antonio, what better place? Um, and I'm wondering, is there anything that's going on like that at Alamo City Studios where it's this raw, you know, get you from the streets, you, we know you have a passion, let's nurture that. Sure. You know, I mean, we certainly do have artists uh, that are inside of Alamo City Studios. Um, just a couple of months ago, we just had the Essex uh, Festival uh, that happened on the east side. Um, we certainly did have a lot of people um, from the studio that were participating uh, within that art movement. Um, but not only that, we had entire teams that were working, doing all the social media, uh, doing the filming, uh, being able to promote. And so, I mean, certainly it does it, it does work hand in hand where uh, you have an artist, but who is who's taking the photos, who's taking the video, you know, and who's promoting that, right? And so you absolutely need that filmmaker to also be able to come in to promote it properly. What would you say to listeners who, you know, might uh, criticize funding like the NEA or something like that? Like, why is art such an important aspect um, when we're thinking about our societal health? Sure. So, I mean, I'm such a believer in cinema um, and the the art of storytelling, and, and not only just as being able to create suspension of disbelief where you're having a horrible day and you get to you know, lose yourself uh, for at least 90 minutes you know, in a theater where uh, you, know, you have people that are having really real problems and, and real issues, um, and what better medium than um, to go in and, and submerse yourself in a motion picture uh, whether it's a comedy so you can laugh or it's a drama so you can cry or it's a horror film so you can be frightened. I mean, what better like remedy for that uh, than, than within films? You mean to build off the idea of like storytelling. You know, this day and age, a lot of different minorities feel very isolated, right? Whether it's the, the current political atmosphere or whether it's, you know, a type of classism that they're exposed to or a type of trauma in, in, their, in their current societal construct, they, they feel isolated and it's hard for them to connect with anyone. But imagine the, the young filmmaker, or the young mom, the young dad uh, who watches a film and sees a Latino name directed by or starring Latino or even going further to just people of color. You know, I think that's also the, the great thing about cinema is that if you inject more of a cultural presence, you have more of a kind of a cultural ripple effect where people feel bonded, feel connected, right? Sure. Alamo City Studios is unique because it's in San Antonio, a very culturally diverse city, but also it's it's promoting this cultural diversity in filmmaking. But in general, I mean, why why should a filmmaker who's listening to this podcast or producer consider the idea of co-oping? Uh, because, you know, there's so much more than uh, that it's, uh, it's going to save you money, right? I mean, that's the first thought. It's going to save you money. Uh, so, you know, we have a membership program that starts at $40 a month, and it's month to month. So there's no commitments. That's why I tell anybody. It, it's nothing for you to try it out, right? But what the membership does just on the basics, which is it gets you access to be able to 
go to find a desk to work on your script or to go into the cafe to be able to work with your writing partner. Um, but then you also get access to our education room. So that way you can have your rehearsals and you can have your auditions. I mean, I remember doing my first feature film and I had to do auditions out of my apartment, my one bedroom apartment, which is a little scary for actors to be able to show up to. And you're like, hello, I know you don't know me, but come into my, come into my one bedroom apartment and stand up against this wall, you know, as I videotape you with this little RCA, you know, camera and people are like, no, I'm not going in there. (laughs) And uh, if I, I mean, if I had the ability to spend 40 bucks and then have this month membership to where I could have my auditions there, have my rehearsals there, it just it would have been such an incredible thing so that I wasn't running around meeting at McDonald's or meeting at Starbucks or meeting right. you know at the local parking lot um, and so that's really you know at the fundamental base having a place to be able to do that but we also the resources we also provide so many resources to filmmakers um, by putting on events by having panels um, by having workshops and so really allowing them to be able to come in to network and meet other like-minded individuals. Uh, and we really thrive and, and strive to, to make that happen. Would you disagree that um, when people say that there's, you know, if you're wanting to pursue a creative industry, that there's not going to be a job out there for you? I think that it's certainly, it's certainly an issue with what career path you're wanting to take. Um, I mean, so, I mean, if you're wanting to be a director, if you're wanting to be a screenwriter, uh, it's a very difficult uh, profession, right? It's a very difficult profession to break in. And you just have to have that mentality of when you're going out into into the world and trying to make it. Uh, I don't think that it's an impossible task. I've certainly met uh, many people and not just directors or screenwriters, gaffers, um, composers, uh, you know, first ACs, second ACs, right, that have made it their career uh, in this industry. Um, but it's not without a lot of hard work and sacrifice. So what is next for Alamo City Studios? So four years ago, the, the city of San Antonio uh, kind of came together uh, with the filmmaking community uh, to put together what was known as the strategic plan for the film community of San Antonio and what was needing to happen. And there was two big things on that plan. One of them was a production facility with state-of-the-art sound stages, which unfortunately still has not happened. Now that is not the city's fault, right? I, I really do think that because of where we are with the state of Texas, the lack of incentives, um, that it has been a huge problem area. The other was creating a four-year degree film program in a major university. And so just recently, uh, Alamo City Studios has partnered with Texas Lutheran University out of Seguin, Texas, for them to come in to create a satellite school inside of Alamo City Studios to be able to finally checkmark both of those, uh, both those items. Um, meaning that uh, we're now developing a program uh, to start. Um, We're actually going to be starting next year. We're going to be starting a summer program inside of Alamo City Studios where you can actually go in and start getting college credit 
uh, with a four-year degree film program. Uh, and at the same time, now working with the city and the county to create state-of-the-art sound stages inside of Alamo City Studios for not only all the professionals that are inside of the studio, but for all of the kids that are actually going to be attending this university to be able to utilize that and work alongside with the professionals as well. Wow, man, that's amazing. Congratulations on that. Well, it's certainly still a long road. I mean, the full program probably won't be going until 2021. Uh, and then, of course, not even uh, then hoping to have something of, of real uh, substance within state-of-the-art sound stages by 2022. Carrie, what advice would you give to hopeful, aspiring, or even amateur filmmakers who are out there right now just getting their feet wet in the filmmaking business? Don't give up um, and uh, try to find a production hub that is surrounded by other like-minded individuals because one thing that does happen is that when you're alone uh, and you're surrounded by people that aren't in the industry, that's when you're going to start having doubt because other people can't possibly relate to somebody trying to write a screenplay who's never written a screenplay and that have no ambitions and you say, you're crazy, right? What What are you trying to do? Um, and then if you're by yourself, you're just going to be having doubt all the time. Am I doing the right thing? What am I doing? Maybe I should do something else. But if you're surrounded by a whole bunch of other people that are in the same trenches with you, I think it, I think it makes it much more easier for you to continue and, and keep moving forward. Thank you, Carrie, for coming by and sharing the amazing work Alamo City Studios is doing. Find out more at alamocitystudios.com. Salute Talks is produced by Rick Carrillo, Josh McCormick, and the media team at Salute America. It is executive produced by Dr. Amelie Ramirez. The music heard on this podcast is produced by Bonus Points. Find Salute America online at salute-america.org. Find us on all social platforms at Salute America to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out our award-winning videos on our YouTube channel at salute.to backslash video. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Salute Talks will be taking a break the week of November 25th for the Thanksgiving holiday, but we'll return on December 4th for our next episode. Thanks for listening, and as always, we hope you enjoyed.